Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Excited today because every once in a while, uh, we take the opportunity to hear from an emerging generation leader. And uh, today I'm excited to have a conversation with someone that I've known since they were a wee little kid. I want to introduce you to Grace Jones. Grace, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's great to be here. How long ago did did I first know you? Obviously, Um, you won't remember back that far. Well, I can remember being very excited when your oldest son was born. And so if that puts in perspective how long it's been, but I'm assuming it's been longer because he's almost 19. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, what? He's three years younger than me. No, I'm 22. Okay. Maybe he's four years younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Four, three, two, somewhere around there. Yeah. It's been a while. Listen, before we dive in, uh, for all of us listening who don't know you, just help us get to know you a, a little bit better where you're from uh, you can talk about the story, how you guys ended up at Southridge, you know, what you're up to these days, that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I, my family lives in Jordan um, and we attend the Vineland location of Southridge. Um, I live most of the time of the year or part of the time of the year with my parents. And then I have two younger sisters and um, our recent uh, dog who's quickly becoming my best friend. Um, and yeah, I was just a couple years old, like Jeff mentioned, when we started attending Southridge, Southridge um, all the way back uh, to when it used to be Fairview Louth. Um, so Southridge has been a very, very key part of my um, circle uh, growing up. And yeah, just played a really big role in my life overall. Um, in terms of what I'm up to these days. Uh, so I just have one semester left of my undergrad at Laurier in Waterloo. So eight months of the year, I live in Waterloo and the other four, I live at home. Um, and there I'm studying uh, international development and environmental studies. And then I'm doing a minor in social entrepreneurship. So yeah, that's kind of been what I've been up to these days. Um, but enjoying <laughs> the relaxation of the Christmas break before things ramp up again um, with school. Yeah. Yeah, I bet that feels great to be to be home. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, for those listening, if you haven't made the connect yet, Grace Jones uh, <laughs> lives in the same house as uh, one of our uh, podcast hosts, Carrie Jones. So uh, do, do you just want to speak a little bit? We've never done a podcast on this, but like what it's <laughs> like to be a pastor's kid at Southridge. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Yep, it's uh, it's interesting. I won't lie; it has its highs and lows. Sometimes um, it can be really helpful and really wonderful. Sometimes, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I have this whole new perspective of church in general, and it's little things like I came home on Friday, and then I was like, can't wait to like finally go back to church, like after like being in Waterloo. And then I like get there, and me and my younger sister are sitting in the um not the auditorium, the like communal area. And then my mom's like, I have an emergency. I need you to fill in. I need you to be the teacher for preschool this morning. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is definition. This is basically the definition of what it's like for my mother to be a pastor, specifically the family life pastor at Southridge, because we just get thrown in 
all the time, which is, uh, which is, uh, it's fun. Everything, life is always interesting in that regard. So, yeah. Now you weren't always a pastor's kid. So this in recent true, yes. years, yeah, that mom's been <laughs> yes. uh, on our pastoral team, but, uh, yeah, you definitely have, uh, been pretty much a lifer. You would have been just a, a really young girl. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think your, your parents, your mother, mom was pregnant with Eva when yeah. uh, you first showed up at Fairview Love. So mm-hmm. it's been a long time. You've been, you've been, uh, yeah, you've, you've, you've endured with us for a long time. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm eager to talk about some of that. Uh, I <laughs> wonder first, of, first off, can you talk about what it's been like growing up in this church? We won't talk about today, but just, you know, from, from memory, what, 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 what's it been like, you know, for almost your whole life growing up in this church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's been really interesting because I think especially one of those, like the key memories I remember is like the switch uh, when we opened the, the Vineland location and like going from Glenridge to Vineland and making that switch. And I feel like that was like one of the biggest changes in terms of my um, experience at Southridge, especially because <laughs> I it's been so constant my whole life. And I haven't attended another church in my lifetime. So it kind of, I can remember like going to Vineland and like almost feeling like I'm like attending a different church. Um, But anyways, yeah, it's been, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's, it's been something that's always been there for me. And it's been a really big constant for me, which is really nice in terms of the community there, especially the community, um, your family, the Lockyers and so many other families that have been there this whole time. And just feeling like I have, um, so much community in that regard. That's always, um, there for me, um, no matter what, which has been really cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, I feel very lucky and very privileged to, um, still be of the age of 22 and still love my church and, um, want to invest in it and love how much it's investing in me. Um, and yeah, I think it's just such a unique experience that I've had. Um, and I'm very thankful for it. Now we were talking about this a little bit before the recording, but now that you're in university mm-hmm. and only living at home, kind of part time, third of the year, uh, talk about what it's like to track with Southridge, kind of from a distance right now. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. And um, entering into my first year of university, it was definitely one of my priorities to um, find a church and be connected with the church. Um, but it's, I found it especially challenging because I've been at Southridge for so long. I found myself, um, like comparing it, um, to Southridge in a good way. Um, but yeah, as a result, I have like lost a little bit of connection, but at the same point, um, events such as the um, pandemic have been really helpful in that regard, because even though, even when I was living in Waterloo last year, everything was online. So it was no different for me to just watch Southridge from online. Um, but I definitely feel it these days. And I, I must admit when I'm coming, when I'm nearing the end of my semester, every, every four months, um, I'm really eager and excited to be back at Southridge and be back with those connections because it's, it's not easy to do the back and forth all the time. And yeah, it's, it kind of feels like (laughs) as much as the church has been there for me, basically my whole life it's still sometimes when you haven't been in a while you feel kind of like oh yeah like you're kind of like a newcomer a little bit um and obviously you see familiar faces but um it's just not quite the same all the time so in a good way 
So uh, are there are there any ways while you've been a university student and living outside of Niagara that you've been able to connect relationally with Southridge? Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. And like I mentioned, the pandemic has really helped in that regard because um, I was able to be a part of two short-term life groups uh, this past spring. So I was a part of the young adults. Life group, which was incredible because there were so many people um, at the Glenridge location that I didn't even know because I've attended the Vineland location basically my whole life, or at least the whole time I've been a young adult. Um, and so that was really great. And it felt no different because everyone else was already in their bedrooms as well. And then I also um, was a part of a uh, learning how to read your Bible um, short term life group with Mike Krause, which is a wonderful. Um, but in terms of pre-pandemic I have to think back a little bit definitely um even like present time and we'll talk a little bit about this in the future or in a bit I guess but being involved with the anchor causes and just with what I'm studying uh, in university the anchor causes are like right up my alley and there's something I'm like love to be a part of and um be involved in um and kind of just like in terms of involvement just like short term here and there, like I helped fill in, um, and was a temporary current leader, um, when there was a little bit of a need there, um, and just helping where I can, I guess you kind of have to be a little bit creative when (laughs) you don't live in the same city as your church. Um, but it doesn't, yeah, you're a little more of a utility knife, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) Temporarily short term when needed. And yeah, you have that flexibility. I, I'm wondering, you know, we've got uh, church leaders from across the country that listen in on this, mm-hmm. if not uh, across North America. And I, I'm just wondering if you could help those of us who lead in churches maybe understand something about what it's like to, to be a university age student engaging in a local church that we might not otherwise appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what would you want church leaders to know kind of on behalf of university students and how they engage with a local church. Yeah, totally. Okay. So you're, you're saying in terms of like, for example, Brock students. Yeah. Um, what what okay. does a, what does a pastor not understand that's hard about trying to engage in a church as a college student? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple pieces to that. Definitely. I can remember in first year um, and even to this day, to a degree, like it's the accessibility is really challenging. So, um, there may be like a bajillion churches, um, in the region of St. Catherine, which there are, but it doesn't mean you can access them as a student with who possibly relies on public transit. No. So that is a huge thing. So I would say just, um, reaching out and finding ways to make, um, make these, um, these churches and these resources accessible. I was talking to um, Carly Wall yesterday and we were talking about how, I guess when she was a student at Brock Lakeview in Grimsby came and picked them up from Brock. And I was like, Oh my goodness, that's amazing. And I can remember in first year too, uh, there was a local church uh, in Waterloo and they would come and pick us up in like a school bus right outside um, my the campus. And it's just little things like that. Like, making sure that, and I mean, the Glenridge location is super great in that regard because it's so close to Brock and, um, it's a massive asset. Um, but I would say just like doing whatever you can to reach out and get these students there because it's, it's just hard to get there sometimes, um, from a physical standpoint. Um, also though, like I would just say, 
as someone who's done a lot of church hopping, connections are really, really big. Because if you don't feel like you're necessarily seen in a church, it's kind of like an automatic, like, okay, maybe this isn't really for me. Um, and yeah, just really being able to um, notice and point out, not in like a, in a negative way, but more so being like, hey, you're new here, like, and reaching out and making them feel loved and connected because definitely university is not easy, specifically in first year. Um, and so finding those connections are like really, really big, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Those are two great takeaways, scribbling them down. Um, okay. <laughs> I want to get into today. I mean, we're just, we're in the process of wrapping up our, our Hope Live series we did just on the mm-hmm. weekend. And so we're, we're, we're in that season as a local church where we've been waving the flag for compassion and justice mm-hmm. among other times during the year. We do this, you know, every fall in our Hope Live series. And uh, for you, as a young adult, as an emerging gen leader around our community, like you've become very active in our anchor cause activity. And so I want you to just kind of share and, and speak to this a little bit. First of all, talk about your experience in uh, at Landback Lane, uh, because back in the summer or maybe last year you were you were into that. Um, describe what that was and, and what you did and how that kind of affected you. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned in the, I want to say like it was like January, um, Nate had done like a sermon on anchor causes and all the different ways that we can reach out. And I was like, so gung ho about it. There was like this like form you like filled out, filled out and you like picked like which anchor cause most resonated with you and where you'd get involved. And I remember like having a conversation with Nate afterwards and Nate's like, Grace, you literally just like picked all of them. And I was like, I know, but like, it's all like super, super exciting to me. And obviously it's good to like narrow in, but yeah, specifically in um, the spring, I was able to start getting involved with, um, land back. And so basically how it worked is we would be making meals, um, for those who'd be protesting, um, out in Caledonia. And so we'd be cooking for about like 20 to 30 people or so. Um, and as a fellow vegetarian, I would often cook the vegetarian meal, which was really fun. And cooking is something I've really, um, developed a passion for. So it was just like a really great win-win. Um, unfortunately I never had the opportunity to go out there and partially was just due to the time that I was helping out was a time when it was, um, not, we weren't allowed to like socialize. It was kind of like a drop and go. Um, but it's definitely something I like, I'm still in like the email thread and whatnot. So like I said, I'm hoping when, um, I'm like back in the area more full time. I can become more involved in that and more invested in it. Um, but yeah, that was like a really great opportunity for me because I think um, something, a social justice issue like um, indigenous rights and colonialism and um, is something that's really hard to like find ways to help with. And I think this opportunity to make a meal for a couple um, dozen people is a really great way to like show your support and, um, and reach out, even though it did feel a little bit disconnected at times. I do know, um, now presently they're able to go and visit, which is really cool. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just like such a great opportunity. I, I feel like as a student, you learn so much about these social injustices, um, both in and far from your home. And, but yeah, it's so hard to apply and 
this was just such a great opportunity for me to apply a little bit about what I was passionate about and um, what I was learning specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for those listening in who maybe don't understand what we're referring to when we talk about land back lane uh, in the Caledonia area uh, on First Nations land, there's been an approved housing development that uh, First Nations uh, residents in that area have been protesting. And so they've uh, you know, essentially lived on this land for a, a period of time. And uh, so people from Southridge in trying to become good relatives with our uh, Indigenous friends have tried to support them in company and meals and, and things like that. And so uh, that's what you're referring to. I should have probably clarified it that at the beginning. Um, the, the most recent one is this greenhouse project. Can you give us the history and what, like, when I say greenhouse project, what are we even talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's been also in the works for probably the past six months or so. Um, and I'm super excited about it because I've kind of had the opportunity to like head it. Um, and this kind of started, um, again with having a conversation with Nate, um, and he, or maybe like a year ago or something like that, he, he reached out and he was just like, where, like, where are your passions lying specifically right now? Like, where do you see, um, God working in that regard? And as weird as it sounds. Um, I was just talking about like my relationship with food and I had recently switched over to a vegetarian diet for a variety of reasons. And just talking about my love for learning how to cook locally and, um, yeah. And just like all things like that. I won't go into that too much, but anyways, that led into being involved a little bit with Niagara way, um, or not Niagara, United way, Niagara, um, and I was sitting on a farmer's table and then from there led to the opportunity, um, for Southridge, um, to apply to, re- um, to receive a greenhouse that would be, um, placed on our well and location property, um, to help with the food security insecurity needs of the Welland community. And so Nate, um, reached out to me and he's like, well, me and one other um, person and was just like, hey, would you be interested in this being your thing? And I was like, oh my goodness, yes, 100%. Um, Anyways, and so the greenhouse is currently sitting in the Welland location. It has not been built yet just due to a couple obstacles, but the plan is for it to launch um, in the spring. And essentially how it's going to work is it's going to primarily be supporting the already existing projects of the Harvest Kitchen and just being able to provide fresh local produce um, to those projects already in place. But in addition to that, being able to further provide for um, the the low-income community of Welland and, yeah, just being able to provide uh, an accessible and affordable um, produce. Uh, Something I've been learning a lot about is just the gap there is in that regard um, in low-income living in general and just how, yeah, like there's lots of resources like food banks and whatnot, but they don't necessarily have fresh nutritional food um, that is meeting those needs. Um, And so, yeah, it's been like such a cool opportunity and I could talk about it forever, um, but it's been super cool because with my two um, majors in university right now of uh, international development, environmental environmental studies, I feel like I'm merging the two of helping better develop, um, a community, but in an environmentally just way. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you have more questions. I could, like I said, I could talk more, but I don't know that that's, we'll start with that. Well, I guess, you know, 
one of the themes that I want to drill into uh, every time we have an emerging gen leader share in the podcast is what is kind of revving the hearts of our emerging gen leaders. And so Mm -hmm. I I, I guess my my first question, which is going to segue into a, a series of questions just around how emerging gen leaders live and think and understand faith and you know, things they want to be about is like, what is it about all this, you know, especially the, the, the greenhouse project, what is it about all this that is revving your passion so much? What mm-hmm. is it that is, is that, why are you so into this? I guess let's start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think to start would definitely be what I just mentioned in terms of the, like, taking what I'm studying right now in university and it being so applicable and so cool. And especially I'm actually, it's really cool. I have the opportunity. I'm in a social entrepreneurship course and I have to like launch a social venture and I have the opportunity to use this greenhouse project as my social venture. And so it just feels so applicable to what I'm learning. And I think there's as a university student who's finishing up and being like, what the heck am I going to do with all this information that I've learned, it feels so refreshing, um, to have this opportunity, um, to dive deeper into my community and learn more. Um, and yeah, I would say just a big, a big part of this project that I'm so passionate about as well is just learning, um, a, the privilege it is to eat, um, eat, um, local and fresh produce, um, like I have a passion for, and also the privilege it is to have land to grow your own, uh, produce and, um, have your own garden. And so, yeah, just like learning more about these privileges that I personally have, and and how that impacts my own biases and then how I can translate my own privilege, um, into the needs of the Wellen community. And I mean, the Wellen community isn't uh, an area I know very well, especially since I've grown up in the Lincoln region. Um, but I'm feeling so excited to learn more. Um, and yeah, just seriously, just be a learner in the whole process. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's great. Um, knowing that this is kind of at the tail end of our Hope Live series that waves the flag of compassion and justice, you know, one of the theories or observations that church leaders have these days is that the compassion and justice aspect of local church life is a kind of ministry and a kind of participation that is disproportionately appealing to the emerging gen these days. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? And if so, why is that? Why is the emerging gen so white hot for values of compassion and justice? Yeah, definitely. I would 100% um, agree with that. And yeah, I think that my first thought in that regard is thank like thankfully um as students are growing up and even students who are in like elementary and high school these days they are learning so much more than I ever did and I can't imagine how much more they're learning um about things like this in comparison to your generation or my parents generation um which is just like so amazing like I've had um like a couple conversations with my sister and even like my younger cousins and just what they already know at their age is absolutely 
mind-blowing and so amazing. Um, I also work for an organization in the Waterloo region um, where we educate students and youth about peace education and social justice. And similarly, it like it just blows my mind um, every day how much these students already know and the investment these teachers have and the new curriculums and things like that. And obviously there's still so much um, more to go, but I feel like this is like such an incredible start. Um, and I believe starting young is so key and having these new perspectives is super vital for the future of the church um, and how we can really embody the love of Jesus. So I would, I would truthfully say like, I think a big part of why the emerging gen is so passionate is because um, they're learning so much more about it and they're, they're so much more educated about it. Um, which is, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Your family obviously has been involved in the anchor cause in Vineland and mm-hmm. been part of the adopt a farm program, made friends, you know, you're FaceTiming back and forth with friends from the Caribbean, you know, in the off season. And, and so you're, you're kind of growing up in all of this. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about uh, uh, an aspect like that or uh, something like land back, you know, we, t- we talk a lot about friendship makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen that kind of in your own life? And, and how are you seeing God use that to really reveal who Jesus is to people and to help change them into his likeness to a greater degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a big question. I would say, yeah, just like, like you mentioned, um, in terms of my family's relationship with our, um, farm in Vineland and just seeing, um, the relationship my dad has with all of those, um, workers is, has been such a huge model for me, um, about what it's like, um, to truly embody what friendship makes the difference is. And I think, yeah, kind of bring it back to this idea of privilege and bias and being able to put, lay down my own privilege and my own bias and just, truly um be a friend to these people who we are reaching out to in the community um i think about so many stories that have been shared over the past few years um in terms of relationships made whether it be like tom and norm or um i'm trying to think of another specific example but just yeah how inspiring that has been to me in just being able to put aside um put aside that and just truly focus on how much you can learn from someone else um, who may have a very, very different life than you, um, but how much um, their perspective to life can uh, enhance yours and you can enhance theirs. And just it be like a mutual um, friendship is huge. And yeah, in terms of what that means in, in embodying Jesus, as I, I think that's truly what Jesus embodied best is he, yeah, he was a very big deal, uh, in his day and even to this day. Um, but regardless of that, he always took the time to build that relationship. Um, and I think that can even be translated to within the context of, um, our South Switch community and just the importance of, um, relationship and community, um, and mutually supporting one another is so, so, so important. So, yeah. In the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic, we've been trying to stare at issues of racism and mm-hmm. racial injustice a little more in the face. As an emerging, uh, emerging gen leader in our community, what would you want the rest of us to know or to to think about when we start to consider those kinds of issues? Yeah, um, 
That's definitely a challenging one. Um, I think, okay, so the first thing that kind of comes to mind for me is um, the importance of like, maybe showcasing isn't the best word, but being able to demonstrate that um, our community is for um, anyone, regardless of um, your race or the color of your skin. Um, and that doesn't influence um, our love for those people, but also um, the love Jesus has for those people. Um, but I think, yeah, just continuing to um, press in and and understand those voices. Um, I think Southridge has done a really good job at um, ensuring that um, people of color are involved in Southridge as a whole. But I, I think I would just be, um, I would really love to learn more and dig deeper um, in their own perspectives of life and how that has um, influenced where they are in their faith journey. Um, and I know Southridge has already um, started to continue continue to do that. Um, I remember the series we did in the summer. I can't remember what it's called, Jeff. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, they all merged. I probably can't either. <laughs> it was the one where, um, well, they were all like Zoom calls pretty much. But Nate did one. Um, and there was one. Um, anyways, it doesn't matter. I don't remember what it was called, but it was in the summer. Um, and I think really like taking that time to like sit down and learn and educate is huge because truthfully, I, I feel kind of weird sometimes saying how, how we can be better at this because I feel like the best way we can be better at this is learning from those who are experiencing it most. Right. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I'm still, um, someone who is not of color and I have my own personal biases, no matter how much I educate myself. And so, yeah, just continuing to lean in and um, learn from those, those voices is one of the best things we can do because they truly have um, the best advice in that regard. What, uh, what do you want to say as a product of our brave girls program on kind of the whole movement of female leadership empowerment? Mm, yeah. Um, it's funny because I was actually, I believe the first, uh, group in the brave girls, um, uh, movement. And so it, it definitely is, is important to me. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's really incredible, uh, what's being done. I feel like even though my mom <laughs> literally runs it, I'm not the best in touch about what's happening, but even I know a little bit about, um, their connections with, uh, the Mish group up in Northern Ontario. Um, and just like things like that. And again, like just educating, um, these grade six and seven and eight girls is, is so, so big. And, um, yeah, just really empowering them, um, and leading them up to the next generation is, is huge. And, and again, like just having those connections of like the mentors and the leaders they have in that group, um, is huge because those, again, those relationships make, um, such a big difference in terms of their connection, um, with Southridge as a whole. Hmm. Uh, Grace, as we wrap up any kind of final encouragements or challenges either to our members or to other leaders listening, uh, when it comes to embracing the perspective of our emerging gen in the church to a greater degree? Uh, yeah, definitely. I would just say, um, 
and I know this has been reiterated before, but like just never underestimate the power of the next generation. Um, but more importantly, I'd say continue to invest and check in. Um, like I've reiterated, like basically this whole podcast is just, there's so much power in relationships. And I think as someone who's been kind of like in and out of the church, um, but also know how challenging it is to, um, stay faithful to a church in as like a young adult. And in this, um, emerging generation, uh, those connections and relationships that I have with the people, um, in my church are huge and they make such a difference. So yeah, just continuing to check in, um, and invest is I think one of the biggest things, uh, we can do for the emerging generation. Awesome. Grace Jones, you're a force and I appreciate you sharing your heart with us today. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Um, and uh, for the, that, 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 that really was terrific. And uh, for all of you who are listening in, thank you for joining us again this week. We hope to see you again in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Bye.